Project Minimum Viable Podcast. Today, we'll be talking to Daniel Popovich, one of our software developers. Hey, Daniel, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Really a pleasure to have you join us today. And one of the reasons I really wanted to talk with you is because you've had a very unique journey. Uh, <laughs> even though you are a software developer, you've also committed yourself to the stage and being a, an actor. So I was just hoping you could share with us some of how you got there and maybe how Art and Logic helped you sustain that or maintain that. Yeah, well, thank you for having me here today. Um, I have been uh, on the stage since I was a teenager. Got bit by the bug, like many do, um, in high school. And uh, I actually wanted to pursue theater and specifically acting professionally from a young age. And... That is a very long story, probably a longer story than we want here. But let's just say I should have turned left at Albuquerque and uh, found myself in middle age, not having pursued the theater as I as I wished. And uh, not to get too, you know, psychoanalytical here, but I was becoming a a curmudgeon's curmudgeon. I was just not a pleasant person to be around. <laughs> and I realized it was a lot of it was just I I hadn't I had this what if just hanging over me. This major what if. And when my youngest went off to college, I was then 48, <clears throat> started a family rather young. <laughs> When I was 48, I found myself uh, an empty nester and said to myself, it's now or never. Uh, I, 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 I could just envision myself, you know, being um, <clears throat> in my 80s in a nursing home where they wheel me out to the rec room to have my uh, daily heated argument with a potted plant. <laughs> An animated argument. No yeah, an animated argument with a potted plant. You know, I, I could have been a contender. Um, so, while you were having, you know, during those decades in between the bug and then kind of finding <laughs> that you wanted to do something and really act on it, did you always feel the desire hovering over you? Like, was it always there in your mind? Yeah, it was. It was always there. Always there. And I had, um, uh, I had been pursuing an MFA uh, in technical direction in lighting design at one point, again, off the path of acting. Um, but I was getting burnt out because I wasn't doing what I should be doing. But I was uh, I, I, I was too young to figure it out. And I didn't have a good mentor to grab me by the scruff of the neck, say, this is what you should be doing. And uh, I fell back on a computer science minor that I had, and I got a job doing, um, essentially I was a computer operator at a local VA hospital, working the 3.30 a.m. to noon shift. That was my wow. first, that was my first geek job. Like your own version of taxi driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but with less blood. Yeah. Um, uh, so for those decades, I had been, um, I had mostly self-taught um, 
I mean, I did have the computer science uh, coursework from my undergraduate work, which I should go back and say, when I went off to college and wanted to pursue theater, I was told no uncertain terms that a, my college education would not be paid for by my parents if I pursued theater. Mm. And back when I was in, yeah, yeah, back when I was in high school, I had before I got the theater bug, I had I'd been hanging around with the geeks. You know, I was a math geek, computer science geek. You know, I was in the back room with the card reader, um, you know, hacking the OC's uh, computer system, like good teenagers did in the seventies. <clears throat> back before it was, you know, a, a federal crime. Uh, and, um, uh, so I'd always been interested in computer science. I had this bizarre left-right brain thing going. Uh, so when I went off to college, I was a computer science major at first. And it took me a couple years to soften up my parents, and then I switched to a drama major. Wow. And then went off to graduate school for this MFA. Uh, and then when my youngest, my oldest, excuse me, when my oldest was born, my, when my wife was first pregnant, you know, there was kind of a crisis, financial crisis. Plus, I was, I was burned out uh, in graduate school. So that's when I got a real job, air quotes around real and job. And so for decades, I was a software engineer. And did, during that time while you were a software engineer, did you ever have an opportunity to still work in any kind of theater technology or yeah, anything like that? Well, um, so it had been about, about 10 years, 10 years from uh, the last time I was on stage to the next time I was. My, my wife at the time told, um, I came home from work one day and sitting on the kitchen table was, uh, the five college theater news bulletin. We had just moved to Western Mass uh, the previous year, and the five colleges around Amherst and Northampton, UMass Amherst, Smith College, Amherst College, Mount Holyoke, and Hampshire College. Mm -hmm. They had a, uh, those five colleges had some departments which were called so-called five college departments. Theater was one of them, and they had auditions open to the community. And my wife had gotten, had heard about this and knew I was kind of suffering inside and sat me down at the kitchen table, opened it up to this big, long list of auditions for the upcoming fall season at the colleges and said, you will audition for one of these. First week of January 2014. I started at Art and Logic, and that's what really opened up the door. Um, I didn't want to like move to city immediately. Um, uh, I wanted to make sure that it was going to work, and needed to prove myself. Um, um, and then I was ready to do it in 2015, but then I got cast as Uncle Vanya in a production of Uncle Vanya, and I thought, well. I got to do this. So that kept me around for a little bit longer. Uh, but then in June of 2016, I 
I made the leap and I came down to New York. And um, and so I, you know, thank you, Art and Logic, for for that kind of uh, flexibility. Okay, I and, think and that your experience kind of speaks to at least after the, during the pandemic and after the pandemic, it speaks to a lot of the frustration that I kept seeing from people who were the companies that were trying to experiment with remote work and people who were trying to get remote work is that people didn't, there wasn't enough trust from the employer and the contractor or the employee. You were saying this earlier. And if you're not trusted to get the work done, then it's harder to give you that flexibility to have your own life. And I think right. one yeah. of the things about Art and Logic that's helped it succeed is that it was founded by our, by musicians. So they were artists. They had the, the same kind of desire to have lives outside of the work. And I think it's um, every time I hear a story like yours, I just think it's great to know that there's a company that's doing it right. Like letting you nurture your own interests, feed your kind of passions, and, and then just trust you to get the work done. And because, you, you know, when people are trusted, they tend to perform more. And it's like, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can't speak enough about allow, treating, if you treat people like adults, they will surprise you and behave like adults. Mm -hmm. And that trust is, um, that trust given to you, I find, becomes a responsibility that I want to um, fulfill. I also want this to work. I, mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I'll tell you, being an actor, even an actor who's been on Broadway, it is, um, it is a fickle business. It can, mm -hmm. it's there and then it's gone. So, uh, you know, I, I do need the day job. I love working for Logic. The work is often very exciting. Um, so, yeah, you, I don't take it for granted. And so I make sure my responsibilities are taken care of. So what is that like for you, like working on software project? And I know there are times when working for a software development firm or working on a project, it can be very insular. And you mean, you might have some contacts with people out within the project a few times a week, but it's not the same as working in the same room with people or being surrounded by people. And so what is that like to go from working on the software to stepping onto a stage or to even to going out to audition? Yeah, it is two totally different worlds. Now, it's interesting. I would say in my um, 30 years, I'm 60 now, um, and I it was uh, actually 30 plus years because 34 years of being a geek by day. I would say I have met, I can count on one hand the number of actors I have met who are also software engineers. I, far more musicians, I think. Um, yeah, that's you know, I think there's, uh, there's so much math behind music. Mm -hmm. And being a musician can be an, an insular activity. Um, you know, you're in your own mind a lot, I think, in both. Um, but, you know, I likewise, I haven't found, you know, you know, 
dancers or a lot of painters or you know it it's a pretty um uh well we all know what we mean by a geek you know we we know it when we see it that is true yeah um so it's been a very 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 rare thing for me to find someone like myself who is both a software engineer um and an actor so very very different worlds i don't get a lot uh there's not a lot of people in the day job world that can relate to my theater world and when i if people are talking about oh what do you do for your day job in say an acting class or whatnot and i say i'm a software engineer uh, <laughs> a luck psychic really <laughs> oh my um <clears throat> mostly they can so think they immediately of, assume that you're an introvert <laughs> Um, I think immediately they think, wow, I bet that's a bigger paycheck than my, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my bartending job. Mind, right? yeah. <laughs> um, so it is very different worlds. And sometimes it, it can be because, you know, when, when you're, when your mind is inside an algorithm, you're living inside a place inside your head that is, that how do you describe it you know you just keep burrowing deeper and deeper and deeper into the algorithm trying to solve it and mm -hmm. um and then i say oh shoot it's 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 time it's time to go down to that audition and you know and then i'm on the subway and i'm going down and i should be focusing on the audition but i have found it's just the way the brain works you can't let go can't let go of that algorithm. I don't think probably many, you know, service industry people have that problem, you know. Probably um, not. Probably not. So I, I've, um, I have found it challenging sometimes to let go of the computer science. Yeah, I've never heard it described that way, but I can absolutely picture that. It's sort of, it sounds very similar to being lost in a very absorbing book where you're kind of absorbed in the narrative or absorbed in this world, and that algorithm becomes like this labyrinth-type world in your mind. Yeah, and it's it can be you know, a little obsessive. Mm -hmm. Many a night I go to sleep, and, I'm, I'm, and I find solace and comfort as I just think through that problem I've been trying to solve all day. It's, yeah, it's, it is interesting. So anyway, I, um, uh, Art and Logic, get back on track here. Art and Logic allowed me to make this move. And in 2016, I came down and I started getting involved in, um, a couple prominent acting studios, taking classes at acting studios. Uh, one was T. Schreiber and the other was HB Studio. Uh, and both were little homes, you know, they, not only the class, but the studios, um, did their own productions, um, small and large. And I started doing some, show, you know, meeting people, doing some showcases. And I've been doing that for about not two and a half years when I realized that the industry had really changed 
um, that while it was uh, artistically satisfying, it wasn't satisfying from a business standpoint. Agents and casting directors weren't going to showcases. At least not the kinds of showcases I was. They'd still go to, say, a NYU, you know, a Tisch School showcase. They're always looking for young talent because you can't cast 20-somethings without 20-somethings. No way this gray hair is going to be cast as, you know, a 25-year-old. You're always looking for young talent. Their Rolodexes are filled with all the talent they've known over the years, so they they have bushels of 30s and 40s. So, uh, the Plus, a number of outfits had started up, which um, often referred to as pay-to-plays. You go to the organization and you pay to take a workshop, scare quotes around workshop, with a cast and director or agent. It is illegal to pay for employment. So these are workshops. Right. And, but it is... Uh, it, it is the way to meet people. Um, most actors um, have a love-hate relationship with these mm-hmm. classes because it, and sometimes it does feel like you are paying for the privilege to meet someone. Right. Uh, not to say you don't get information because, you know, you learn how what does this casting director look for or that casting director look for and you do acquire skills uh audition audition skills which are not necessarily acting skills there's a whole craft an audition you, you try to think you try to put your mind in the how do i want to say this you when you walk in the audition room, you are more successful if you can treat it like a performance. But it's not a performance, but yet it is a performance. The audition experience is the audition experience is very different than than the actual performance, which I, is probably not the same for, say, a musician who's you know competing for a chair. Right? You know. Uh, <clears throat> um, monologues, you try to give a monologue a beginning, middle, and end, which may or may not be there in the context of the play. Uh, anyway, so I start I, in June of 2019, started doing these workshops, and then it's a matter of choosing who do I want to meet. And uh, I saw there was a casting director who is responsible for casting replacements in the Broadway production of Harry Potter. Hmm. And I went to, I thought, well, uh, that would be a good person to meet. There's a couple of, there's a great track in that show. And if he's ever looking for someone my age in that, that would be, it would be good to. And we really hit it off. (laughs) Really, really hit it off um, in a two-week workshop. And uh, enough that I felt comfortable writing him um, after and asking his advice on, how someone like me, mid-50s, moved to the city, no one knows me, 
uh, how do you get a foot in the door is certainly you you know you know you know so many people my age by now and he suggested you should go you should try understudy auditions because a lot of actors your age are um they may they're they're lightly attended mm-hmm. for various reasons mm-hmm. but um they're lightly attended and so you have perhaps a better better exposure uh fast forward a month i saw in um <clears throat> understudy auditions for three men in their 50s for an upcoming wow. production of the lehman trilogy and i said oh my god that's perfect that's that's what alexander was uh, just telling me mm-hmm. and uh, i said who's casting this and i scanned over to the other side of the page and i saw uh casting um uh, expected at auditions alexander blue the, the the person i had just taken a class from oh like oh my god so uh i went to the audition it was the first time i had ever walked into an audition of that cal you know of that stature you know a broadway audition mm-hmm. and the person on the other side of the table said hey daniel good to see you that had never happened, so clearly these workshops uh, do work. Um, mm-hmm. And while I didn't get the understudy, I found out just before going into that audition that also in the show was this non-speaking ensemble that appears at one point in the play. So I asked Alexander, um, I know there's a call for the ensemble next week. Do I have to go to that or am I considered having done this? He said, no, no, you don't have to do that. You know, you'll be considered having done this. Mm-hmm. I got home in that afternoon. I got a call back for the ensemble. That's wonderful. And I went into the callback. 80 something people were called back for this ensemble of 14. And oh, wow. Uh, I got it. And it was, you know, so I, you know, I've been in New York for just a little over three years. I landed a Broadway show. So validation. (laughs) (laughs) That was, you know, there I was on Broadway. Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, uh, theater is theater films so dependent on a massive production right um even a even a a community theater it's still an an unbelievable undertaking of a group of people part of me says hey you know i can can die a happy man i was on broadway i'm on the internet broadway database you know there i am so it's pretty cool that is very cool. Thank you, Daniel. It was a pleasure having you as our guest today. And to those of you out there, thanks for listening. If you want to hear more from Art and Logic, you can subscribe to our Minimum Viable podcast through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any of your favorite podcast apps.